Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Welcome to Face to Face. This is a show about change and about what's next. It's a show that wants to ask questions, peel back the layers of our average everyday experience and go beyond scratching the surface. We interview amazing people with incredible ideas and stories who have done wild, weird, and wonderful things. Remember that imagination shared create collaboration, and collaboration creates community, and community inspires social change. I'm David Peck, and this is Face to Face. My next interview is with a filmmaker by the name of Eileen Thallenberg. She's finished, uh, just finished a film that's going to be airing on CBC March 24th, Thursday at 9 p.m. called The Jihadi and the Family. And it's, uh, it's, it's a film about a lot of things, actually, as, as Eileen and talk about. It's, uh, it's, it's a film about uh, parenting. It's a film about uh, international development. It's a film about politics and terrorism. It's a film about mental health issues and so on. And, and it's a film about community. And it's really quite remarkable uh, in that respect. It's a, it's a difficult film to watch on some levels and an and incredibly compelling on others. And so we follow the life of a few families where their children, whose children have, have left uh, Canada to go and pursue the life of a terrorist of one kind or another. And so Eileen and I talk about some of that and, 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 and why that is. And we talk about this idea of community and, and what drew her uh, to this story and, and what it is about, what, what are some of the commonalities that some of these kids had and, and why they headed overseas. But more importantly, what we talk about are some of the positive aspects as well that, that are coming up and that are sort of revealing themselves as a result of these kinds of conversations and films like these. So uh, I think you're going to enjoy this conversation and please check out the film Thursday, March 24th on CBC at 9 p.m. A Jihadi in the Family. Welcome to Face to Face. We are joined by another special guest today, a, a filmmaker, a Canadian filmmaker by the name of Eileen Thallenberg. Uh, she's here to uh, talk about her new film, A Jihadi in the Family. Eileen, thank you for your time today. My pleasure. Yeah, so, well, Eileen, why don't we just give us a tiny bit of context. You're a writer, you're a director, probably a producer, I would imagine. Right. Stormy, Stormy, Stormy Nights production. Yeah, tell us a little bit about Stormy Nights before we get into the film. Well, uh, Stormy Nights, we started, I don't know how many years ago, I've forgotten by now, um, with uh, Gail McIntyre and I uh, used to work at the CBC. We worked at The Nature of Things for many years. Mm -hmm. And then we went out on our own and started Stormy Nights. Started off being a um, company devoted to sort of high-end arts programming with a social uh, bent. And, 
sorry. And uh, then we started working on sort of a variety of uh, different kinds of programs and social issues as well. We did a show on walls around the world for the anniversary of the fall of the Berlin Wall, looking at walls in three democracies that have gone up, uh, up since the fall of the Berlin Wall. So we've been, you know, around on many subjects. Yeah, so so it sounds like you've been dealing in fairly serious matters for quite some time. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and 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 was there was that a uh, was that something you felt compelled to do at a young age, would you say, or were you kind of converted along the way, if you will? No, I've always been interested in in social issues, but um, you know, life takes you in many directions. Of course. <laughs> start up going one direction and something attracts you and you think, oh, that would be interesting. So so your new film, which is airing on the 24th of March in a few weeks' time, 9 p.m., um, Thursday, actually less than a few weeks, Thursday, March 24th, yes, 9 p.m. Next week. Next week, we're going to get this podcast up online uh, very soon. Lots to talk about. Uh, watched it just a couple of days ago. And first of all, congratulations. It's uh you know, on one hand, it's very compelling. On another hand, it's hard to watch. Yeah. You know, it really is. And uh, I've got a young son, 10, and a daughter who's 8, Spencer and Victoria. And how can I, as a dad, um, not um, commiserate sort of with these women in this film, these families, these people, and the things that they're going through? And I think one of the things that really struck me was one of the, I think one of the experts you were interviewing might have been the... Um, um, the um, uh, Daniel Kohler, the the German scholar, right. I think he said something to the effect of, "I said these are common, quote, common everyday people." That's right. You know, th so this and 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 can can you talk a little bit about about that? The the you know well, you don't normally think of a terrorist as being somebody who's 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 like you, no. you know, or like me, right? Well, it's I think if there are kids that are looking, you know, it's that age around eighteen to yep. twenty one when you're. You start questioning society around you. You start questioning the values of your parents and society in general. And you're looking for something that has meaning, mm. right? And here comes <clears throat> this uh, organization, this ISIS, that tells you you can be part of something really great. You can <clears throat> work for social justice. You can work with honor and dignity, defending uh, women, children who are being abused by Bashar al-Assad. Uh, you can create a new society where people will be treated equally and have a place in society. Doesn't that sound like an invitation? It, it really does, yeah. And then once you get there, you realize what the reality is, and it's too late, and you can't, you can't leave. So... You're, so, and then so what? And parents are the ones that get sort of left in the lurch because they become they are left in this society with everybody looking at them, saying, "Look at them! They must have done something wrong. They they must be, you know, uh, a hotbed of something going on in their family that sent this child out uh, to become a terrorist." Well, th at one point there was there was a part of me. Well, you know, the main character is it Christiane? Is that her Christiane, name? Christiane. Yeah. yeah, Christiane Boudreau. Is that mm -hmm. it? Yeah, and her son is really the main main sort of character throughout the film, and and you tell her story very well and in a very compelling way, but she ultimately ends up moving because she's seen as being the mother of a terrorist. Right, 
especially in Canada, right. that has become a problem. She was the she is the only woman, the only parent that has spoken out about the issue mm. and come forward. When we were looking for other families to speak, nobody would come forward. Even their people, you know, their neighbors, their um, other parts of their family don't know that their child has gone overseas. And we don't have a huge issue in Canada. We're talking about right. 100 people or so that have gone over to uh, join ISIS, or to not necessarily ISIS, but uh, have gone over to Iraq and Syria. Right. Right. So uh, you know, and and society and our society is really not very tolerant of these families. And it, in a way, it, they're not helpful. They don't see them as a possibility of, you know, being of helping these families and helping future families. Do, you know, as a filmmaker, when you go into it, you know, I'm not sure. I mean, maybe you can talk about this a little bit, but how you were sort of introduced to the subject, why you felt compelled, why you felt that you, like you needed to make this film. Do you go in with an, a sense of, you know, we want we want some solutions that are coming out of this. We're hoping some, you know, some teachers are going to write some curriculum out of this, or maybe uh, an organization's going to pick this up and 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 run with some of the, th the findings that we're presenting them here on the CBC on the March the 24th. You know, is it? Do you go in with that practical no, sort of? No, I don't go in. No. I go in with what's going on here. Right, right. What's going on here? And the question was, I w we were seeing such a rhetoric of Islamophobia in this country. Right. And people saying, those people. And you right. know, all of a sudden we were pointing fingers. And it felt like such a dangerous thing in our democracy to mm. have happened. Because if it happens to one group, it can happen to another group. Sure, sure. So uh, we went in thinking, well, what is, is there a real problem? And where is it coming from? Mm. You know, who are these kids? Who are these families? And and why is it happening? And that's what we went in with, uh, to find. And uh, we, well, we found the same story all over the world. We were in Europe and various places where mothers and families are much more outspoken than here. Right. And that's what gave Christiane the courage to speak out as well when she saw mm. that it was possible to speak out and be helpful to others. Because she then became the network and will continue being a network uh, point person um, because she's, uh, she'll do it online, she'll do it by phone right. from wherever she is. But um, And people call her and say, my, there's something strange going on with my son. Should mm. I be worried? Right. Or my daughter is starting to do this. Is this a worrisome sign? At which point is it worrisome? And she was trained by Daniel Kohler to be a, ca a sort of a caseworker. Right. Looking, looking for telltale signs. Looking, looking for, for telltale signs, yeah. but not overreacting, right? Right. Because some of these signs are just, you know, kids trying things out. You know, but not really. There, yeah, no, exactly, and it's 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 tough to know. Like on one sense, you you had another academic who said, you know, and I thought it was really interesting when it came, I think the line was something to the effect of, when it comes to radicalization, there really is no profile. You know, and again, we get back to this whole idea that we're just sort of all the same, really. I mean, we're all human beings. We've all we're all we all want to belong. You know, we're right. all looking for a sense of meaning of one kind or another. But then I think he went on to say, but hang on a second here. There's lots of young people around the world. You know, who don't end up going to Syria to join right. ISIS, right? Right. So, there's so there is something going on in these people's lives. Yes. And very often it's a fan, it's a feeling of uh, alienation. Mm. It's a feeling of being bullied, a feeling of frustration, of looking at racism. Um, 
Sometimes they're from broken families. And, uh, you know, it's a real recipe for, uh, for someone to start looking abroad for other answers. And then when ISIS comes along and gives you a narrative right. that's going to help you uh, deal with these issues and, and give you a, you know, a re- literally a recipe of how to be, you know. A recipe of how to be. Yes. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. You know, here's your recipe. Yeah. And you're going to be, become, if you're not a Muslim, you can convert. If you're a Muslim, you'll become even more uh, religious, uh, more uh, observant. And uh, here are the what you do every morning. You do this, and then you do this, and you don't have to think anymore. Mm. You know, you don't question anymore. And these are the telltale signs that parents have to watch for. <coughs> Excuse me. You know, the this increase of intolerance of other forms of religion. Right. Becoming more aggressively strict. Um, the rejection of non-Muslims, even the rejection of certain parts of, you know, the Shias versus the Sunnis. Right, right. Everybody, there is always an other that shouldn't be, that is the enemy, you know. They change their group of friends. Uh, They cut off ties with other family members. Um, They become obsessed with, you know, Islam's fight against the West because Islam has been, you know, is the underdog right now. And violence maybe is the only solution to fight, to destroy their, what they see as evil. You know, it's, you know it, it starts very gently and then becomes more and more... Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's a gradual sort of maturation but, almost. Yeah, yeah, but it happens quite quickly. Mm. You know, well, very often it's within, you know, we're talking within a, a month or two, three months max, they're already, they're gone. Yes. Yes, I, f- I found what uh, what uh, Daniel Kohler said yes. that typically it, it's very fast when it comes to r- religious, religious radicalization. Yeah, yeah, it's really interesting distinction where he talked about neo Nazis. He said this is something that takes a long, a long time. time. You know, yeah. this has, has to get ingrained and take root and so on. Mm-hmm. I found it really. In- Damien is Christian's son. Yes. Yes. Yeah, Damien. So I, I found it really interesting when you interviewed the the imam just before that. She had talked about how he was looking for you know some kind of meaning. Right. And, and how he found meaning in Islam, and then and then the Imam, who was lovely, talked about him being well rounded and 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 the philosopher, but but he started to see this feeling of disconnection, right? Starting to and and I thought it, I actually got a, and I'm getting a shiver now actually. I think when when he said he was, I, I, I'm gonna this is my paraphrase, but he essentially said something to the effect of he was just trying to find his way home. Yeah, like he was just trying to find a, a place to rest his head. Right. At the risk of sounding corny. Yeah. And and then he gets, uh, and then I was I was I was blown away by the sophistication of some of the, uh, the the shots you had of some of the advertising. Oh, isn't that amazing? It's crazy. It's, like you know, if, if you go on on the CBC website, we okay. put some extra material on. Oh, I'll I'll make sure I I'll, I link to that in the in in your yeah. bio. Yeah, there's good. a there's a psychiatrist from Montreal. Her name is Cecile Rousseau. She works with tra- uh, children, traumatized children from war and and also with other social issues. And she talks about how <clears throat> ISIS is using the weapons that uh, the West has sent into the world, Hollywood heroes and video games. Mm. And that confluence is what comes out in these uh, videos. It's so, with those songs, right. they're, yes. they're, they're, 
almost religious songs that have been used. You know, they're called nasheeds in uh, in the Muslim tradition, and they're kind of this kind of um, chanting that comes out that calls the young people. I remember one of the mothers was watching them, and she started crying. She mm. said, "I can't see this anymore. Mm. I can't. I can't bear that they're using that to recruit." Right. It must be so hard as a mother to be reflecting parent mother. I I also want to ask you about that. Maybe maybe this is a nice little segue in, but just the 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 almost the unbelief, the inability to come to terms with this is what my son or my daughter has chosen to do. Yeah. How how did they get there? How come I didn't see it? Where did I go wrong? All of those sort of you know questions driven by I am by a pre- the prefix of I am not. Right. Right. And I wasn't a good parent. I wasn't worthy. I wasn't all these things. It's just it 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 it's it's quite tragic, and yet really I think telling on on a whole other level as well. Yeah. Well, Daniel Kohler says the first thing he tells parents is not your fault. Mm. It isn't your fault. Right. But uh, I think a lot of it happened before people were aware of what was going on. Right. You know, um, and in fact, in you know, in Europe, one of the mothers says that um, governments turned a blind eye to things. They said, "Kids want to go, let them go, get them right. out of the country." Right. Did nothing to stop them, and um, so these parents were like the first guinea pigs. Now, as people are becoming more and more aware of the signs, it's possible if they weren't penalized, if they weren't stigmatized. Mm to f- stop some of these kids beforehand um, because we we now know a little bit more about the signs. But what happens is when the parent sees something going on with their kid, who do they turn to? Right. Who do they turn to? Uh, you know, there was a story in Calgary of one parent noticed that his kid was starting to <coughs> talk about leaving home, had a ticket to go to London maybe, maybe go overseas. And he got really frightened, so he called the RCMP. Right. Kid gets arrested. Family's then torn apart. The, uh, you know, the uh, Crown asks for life in prison for this kid who's barely a teenager. And wow. the p- parents feel guilty for having started, you know, gotten their child in, into trouble instead of helping the parents and uh, giving them tools and giving them backup and, uh, you know, social means to deal with their kids and for, you know, and for other people to intervene as well, not in a justice system, right. but in a, in a so, as, as a social problem, you know. And there are places in this world that, that they are doing that. They are supporting the families. They're supporting the kids. They're ta- working through education and working through work projects and helping. Uh, at the same time, monitoring what's going on. It makes it kind of makes you wonder, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Um, uh, and then I want to ask you a question about the mothers. But uh, what, if not Islam, or if not radical Islam, if not ISIS, if not Syria, what else would these young men and women have turned to? Well, some might there have been something else? Well, what are we offering in our society? <laughs> yeah. You know what? What? Uh, you know, I'm not. I'm not saying that. As you know, not everybody, you know, doesn't find meaning in our society. But you know, uh, why can and why don't they feel like they have a place to do a, quote their jihad 
in in their own country. Right, right. <laughs> Excuse me. And jihad means to actually, sorry, <laughs> and meaning to do something useful in one's country, right, to help. Right. And many of the mothers say that, you know, here in this country, why don't you, why don't they participate in some way of changing this society if it feels like they don't belong here? You know, and do we make, do we make room for them to speak about these things? You know, that's another question. Yeah, um, almost almost opportunities to to voice their opinions, to be themselves, to be heard. To, to to be to be heard. Well, that's what struck me when the imam said, you know, here's this you know well-rounded philosopher type who's just looking for connection, looking right. for a place yeah. place to call home. And and the question for me is, why wasn't he feeling that here in the first right. place? What was it about his the lack of community? Right. Right. Yeah. Um, question, other, yeah. Uh, go. Yeah. I was also thinking about this uh, fellow Murad Ben Chalali. Yes, yep. Uh, we tried, uh, to, we set up a whole week of uh, filming here in Canada because he's been, uh, he's an ex Guantanamo detainee who got lured to Afghanistan. And uh, once he got there, realized he didn't want to be there, but he couldn't get out. And it, when he tried to get out, it was 9 11. And uh, the borders were closed. Right, right. And he got swept up and got sent to Guantanamo got repatriated to France and has been an outspoken uh, person in the field of uh, counter-radicalization. He speaks to young people, not convincing, trying to convince them, but just telling him his own experiences sure. and how he sees things and what he did to his family as a result of that. We tried to bring him to Canada and uh, have the assurance of the RCMP and everybody. He could come in. There was no problem. We took him, brought him in via Iceland so he wouldn't uh, fly over mm. the United States because um, he's on their no-fly list. And he arrives at Pearson Airport and gets put into maximum security prison. Wow. And has, uh, after we tried, uh, we had a human rights lawyer, Barbara Jackman, who helped us get him out and sent to back to France. This is a person who is a voice that needs to be heard and can be used for good. And that's what we did in this country. We, we, you know, we barred him from coming in. We not only barred him, but we arrested him. We put him in jail. Yeah. In maximum security. So, you know, there, the voices that we need to hear are the voices that we are uh, banishing. He's he's gone on to write a book about his experience yes, as well. Yeah. I found when he was being interviewed, I found it pretty interesting. He gave me the sense that he was really and I didn't think he was trying to pull the wool over my eyes at all, but he gave he gave me the sense that he was deceived, you know, that he oh, yeah. you know, it sounded like a bit of an adventure. I'm going to go and help in some way like you said I'm going to, you know, uh, the the more sort of literal translation of jihad, you know, I'm going to go and do something practical and and you know, my struggle for survival, right, continues, and I'm going to do, I'm going to do that. Uh, and he'd never been out of France. He'd never right. been out of his neighborhood. Right. It was his brother said, "Go and see what, you know, a Muslim country is like. You know, my friends will take care of you." And the friends ended up taking him to a training camp. And he goes, "What am I doing here?" And several of his people, you know, wanted to leave, and they said, "You have to stay here for 60 days." They took their passports away, and. Um, the day that uh, the 60 days were up, he had his ticket to come back home, and that was 9-11. Right. Borders closed. Wow, in the, the blink of an eye. In the 
the blink of an eye, your life changes. His parents were put into prison because of him. They were uh, sent back and sent to Algeria where they were born, even though they were French subjects, and uh, can never come back to France. And as he said, he will never forgive himself what he did right. to his parents. What he did to his parents. It's really interesting to hear his story because we don't we don't get Damien's story except through the eyes of others, others right. through his mother and so on, on our own sort of perspective and our own kind of take, you know, based on what we hear. But it's really interesting to see him almost out of respect for his parents say, this is his way of, of sort of a, appeasing the gods, if you will. Yeah. Um, was it a conscious choice to interview largely, in fact, I think only mothers? Well, it happened that way. There are very few fathers that come forward. We had one father that, and when we were in Brussels, there was a meeting of all these mothers. Yes. Um, mothers for Life uh, uh, group, and one father from Italy that he, wa- he arrived right at the end of the. You know, he said, "I want to be there too because right. I, I need to be there." He, we just didn't have room to include him. Right. And his story is quite uh, touching because his son converted to Islam went over and just uh, before he died, I think he was wounded, and as he was dying, he said to his friend, uh, tell my father that I wish him to uh, convert to Islam so we can meet in paradise. Wow. And so wouldn't you know that this Catholic father, when he got the call uh, from his son's friend, converted to Islam and prays wow. five times a day just to be close to his son. I mean, wow. these are painful wow. stories. Oh, yeah, very painful. You know, yeah. just, you can just feel the, I mean, that was the really difficult part of making this yeah. film. Yeah, I bet. The mother, you know, being with women who, you know, at one point they thought their child was alive, you know, within a week we've heard that their child had just been killed or... Right. You know, it just goes on. Well, and there was one woman, I think might have been a woman with the uh, whose daughter had sort of disappeared. She, I think she went on kind of a track to find her. That's and right. Ta- and talked about the needle in the haystack. And right. I just, I, I'm telling you, I'm getting it again. Shiver up the spine, yeah. Eileen. You know, I would be on the plane. Exactly. I'd be packing my bags. Yeah. I really would. And, and then where do you look for them? And where do, where do you even begin? I mean, exactly. you know, talk about, uh, you know, um, um, you know, being... <laughs> a responsible parent, at what point do you say my search is over? Yeah. You know? Um, Did you ever, did you ever feel that there was something, hmm, was something not simple uh, that was going on here, but but that that you kind of had a revelation, kind of something bubbled to the surface, and you said, wow, you know what, this is, this is about, um, this is a mental health issue. You know, or or it's uh, it is about bullying. You know, there's a there's a there's a th- th- I guess there was a theme. Maybe is, did anything it's sort so, of bubble? It's so. Um, I mean, there are groups of ideas, sure. you know, groups of people that you can say this is the reason and that's the reason. But it's uh, you know, I think you have to approach it almost individually. Sure. You know, look at the situation, just like like with mental health. You know, you see. You see what what's going on in the family, what's going on with the kid, um, with the child, and 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 go from there. But um, I don't I don't know. Uh, a lot we found that it's not necessarily always true. But there were a lot of kids that had mental health mm-hmm. issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was one mother. There was a couple of mothers who had autistic kids. Right. Doesn't mean that all autistic kids are going to go and <laughs> yeah, of course, and join ISIS. But there was 
and you start understanding, you know, aut- autistic kids like sort of rote things, you know, so it makes sense that, you know, they would be attracted to something that tells them what to do, you know, at, at different times of the day or so on. Uh, and others had come from broken homes. Right. There's something that points to missing fathers. And I think that's the same thing when you look at gangs. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's usually there's something going on. Not that you blame anyone. But there's a missing father or a broken home that somehow propels the kid or doesn't give a, a kid a, a firm rooting. Sure. But, again, there are lots of single you know, parent families where that doesn't of, happen. But of course, yeah. No, it, uh, I guess... You know, uh, you can start pointing, but you can start seeing certain patterns, and there are researchers that are trying to find a commonality. I, w- I would imagine that's true. I just, again, I think of the imam's comment about, about home yeah. and, and, and the foundation of, of what that what that means. And it means right. something different to everyone. And every, right. in every culture that I've been in, everybody's idea of home is, you know, largely the same, I suppose, but but we have different iterations of it, right? We, right. we, we, right. we, we, we create it in, in, in different ways. Um, yeah, and obviously I'm not interested at all in pointing fingers. Uh, responsibility, I guess, is important, but really how do you avoid this kind of thing in yeah. the future, right? That's yeah. kind of where I'm going with yeah. it, I suppose. Um, for me, you know, I think, I mean, isn't it really about dialogue and conversation exactly. and, and being open, whatever, maybe around the dinner table, uh, at, at Sunday school, uh, in, in the public, you know, uh, in grade school, <laughs> you yeah. know, university really? classroom, et cetera. Exactly. Exactly. You know, it was interesting. Uh, Daniel Kohler had a, an example that he gave, um, when we were talking to him, he said <clears throat> there was a family where their kid had become sort of turn became more uh, religious in it was a Muslim family Mm -hmm. and uh, the kid had become more religious and decided uh, to get married at the age of 15 you know because they they believe in uh, in young marriages and so the parents were freaked out yeah uh, because they saw this as a way that the kids were going to go overseas together and all this and Daniel Kohler's suggestion is don't freak out Mm. In, invite the other parents for a big party. Right. You know, make a celebration of it. Surround them by family. Surround mm. them by other people mm. that are important That's in great. life. Yeah. You know, it's you know, it's an, a cushioning. Yeah. It's a way of in- uh, include them. Include Don't them. exclude them. That's right. Yeah. And you, what you do is you start strengthening the bonds that way. You know, the bonds of family, the bonds of community, and so on. And you don't bring anyone to go and preach to them at this point. You know, you just... But you keep the dialogue open. I thought that was such a... It's it's brilliant. I mean, aren't we all broken in our own way? And aren't we all trying to find our way home in some way? And some of us just do it in a more radical way than others. That's kind of the way I see it. And I mean, I I continue to marvel at this, you know, and I think, you know, as a development worker who, who, you know, uh, Cambodia, preferred country of uh, choice to work in, it's about creating solid communities. Mm -hmm. It's about ground up. Yes, it's top down and you need legislation and you need laws and you need taxing and all those things, taxation and so on. 
but you also need this 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 foundation, this grassroots okay. kind of development. That so I don't know. Are they going to meet in the middle? I I guess, <laughs> but there's got to be some crossover somewhere, yeah. Yeah. you know. And but but there is healing in community. Yeah. You know, I love the fact that he says, "Yeah, invite the other parents over, <laughs> have them over for dinner." Yeah, make a celebration, invite yeah. an imam to yeah. bless the wedding, but yeah. not to talk not to talk to them. Yeah. Uh, about anything, you know. But uh, but what happens also in our society is that when we see the signs of what's going on, we become more and more repressive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And punitive and the shift to the right, and that's what was, you know. Well, and as you w- point out in the film, that's kind of what these groups are hoping we're going to Absolutely. do. Absolutely. And they say, you see? It just becomes self-fulfilling in, in yeah. some regards. Yeah, yeah. Eileen, what's what's your hope? What's next? Uh, it's gonna it's gonna appear uh, next Thursday on on TV. Obviously, there's gonna be a rebroadcast. It's gonna be on the website, CBC's website. Are you right. hoping this is getting gonna get into s- schools? Oh, well, mean, it's already. Uh, we've had some requests. Um, uh, week of the second week of April, uh, in Mon- I've been invited to Montreal to show the film in four different cégeps. There's a big conference going on um, in Montreal called Living Together, mm. and uh, so I'll be showing it at these community, at the Cégeps, uh, four different Cégeps, both English and French. And uh, we've had some interest, actually, from the American State Department. Their Center oh. for Counterterrorism is interested in the film as well. Well, that's fantastic. So uh, we hope that it'll have some legs and, uh, you know, have people thinking about things. Well, I as hope... As opposed to preaching I, to them. <laughs> I, tr- I trust it will, too. I think it will. I think it's going to be a, a timely subject for, 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 for many years to come. And I think there's a lot more going on here. This isn't just a film about terrorism. <laughs> no. There's a lot going on here. This is about, about brokenness and mental health issues and, 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 commu- right. and as we've just discussed, about community. Right. Um, Eileen, thank you so much for your time today, and, and congratulations on the film, a, jah- a Jihadi in the Family, uh, airing on the CBC News Network, uh, March, uh, hang on, is not, it? Not News Network. No, I'm CBC sorry, Network. I'm reading the wrong, <laughs> I'm reading the wrong, where is it? Thursday, March 24th. On um, CBC. On CBC at 9 p.m. Thank you again for your time today. Thank you. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland, and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness, and they come in five different flavors. They're so good wild berry acai grape pineapple mango lemon and mandarin orange my favorite is the wild berry because i just i just love a berry so if you're like me and you're drinking water all day then try splash refresher it's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you Acast powers the world's best podcasts here's a show that we recommend 
The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. On Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.